hello, good evening, and happy Monday. Welcome back to Spinning Around with Haile Minogue, the weekly show on Area 3000 that's airing every single Monday, now from 5 to 9 p.m. That's right, we are extending our hours and will now feature not one, but two amazing guests onto our show every week. I'm your host, Haile Minogue, and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for tuning into our airwaves today for more conversations and mixes with dance music's latest and greatest. A reminder as always, for everyone tuning in, that we are broadcasting and enjoying ourselves on the land of its traditional custodians, the Wurundjeri people. You, we acknowledge and respect their past, present, and ongoing relationship with the land for the many generations to come. So if you have a moment, please consider making a donation to pay the rent or the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and help the wonderful folks that provide the much-needed resources for the mob today. My first guest this week is a man that has proven that you can indeed have your cake and eat it too. He is a creator and curator of Crate Mates Desolate, the Mugshot Mix Series, as well as the incredible mental health awareness event group Chewing the Fat. If that wasn't enough to handle, he also runs a weekly chess club at Good Gnocchi on Tuesday nights, plays keys in a band called San of the Rambutan, and has even opened a creative co-working space in Thornbury called Outer Place. Truly a provider and enjoyer of all things music in our scene, you can catch him spinning an incredibly unique and diverse range of records from jazz fusion, funk, afro, all the way over to hard-hitting electro which we will all get a taste of in his amazing 80-minute guest mix made exclusively for Area 3000. My guest is none other than James Benjamin, a.k.a. Benji, a.k.a. Acid Chess Club. Hey, Benji, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay, what an intro. Thanks, mate. How's, uh, how's the day been? Everything going all right? Yeah, it's been um, very busy. Um, ultimately, I was, you know, I've just been um, doing life admin and then also a few meetings, etc. Excellent. Got, got myself some sushi for lunch. Ooh. It's been good all around, you know. <laughs> What's your go-to sushi roll? What do you get? Uh, definitely something with salmon in it. <laughs> oh, yes. A true connoisseur. I salmon. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. Where, where, where do you like to go for sushi? Is there a good um, place? actually recently came across this place. I think it's called Hanoki. Okay, um, okay. It's just on Smith Street. Um, and... They make everything fresh, like fresh to order. Yes. Um, and you can't sit in, but it's like an... Like a like takeaway an, thing. Um, like, yeah, but it's also like, it's it's one of those, you know, you can buy all things, like confectionery and all that Ooh. sort of stuff. Like a little like stall sort of yeah. thing, but then they make fresh sushi yeah. at the place yeah. for you to take away. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You should try, you should try it. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I know some people out there are a little bit iffy on raw fish. Mm. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten in your life? The weirdest thing. I'll, uh, I'll give you a reference. I've eaten before raw octopus. So a tentacle went in my mouth and I shit you not, <laughs> it wrapped itself around my tongue. No. And, and I was choking for a good minute. No, wait, so it was semi-alive. <laughs> Yeah, well, the uh, <laughs> the tentacles still have the nerves in them oh, and they right. react yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. the sores or whatever you dip in it. Yeah, it's crazy. That's wild. Oh, I don't, like, what would be the the weirdest? I don't know. I guess people eat oxtail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Mushrooms? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely tried a few things. Actually, I, I ate um, grasshoppers in Mexico. That was... What, what does it taste like? Very. It was kind of like... Um, it was almost like a chip. Really? Because um, they had fried them to the point that it was like extremely crispy. And so you oh. just, and then mixed them into the guac and then put a few on the top so you knew they were there. Just went for it. And yeah, it just, it was a bit, 
Yeah, it was a bit much, but it was all right. <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't taste too bad. It was more just you know, you you, you look at what you eat and. It already tastes how you see it, so it's uh, it's sustainable at least, I suppose. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. Maybe I should get used to it. <laughs> hey, um, I know that you go by a lot of names. Uh, you know, Benji Acid Chess Club, but I've also heard that you go by the name. Uh, well, once went by the name Stevie H. Oh yeah. What's the story behind that? It's so far away from James Ben. Oh, that's that's a blast from the past. So, um, <laughs> when I when I started um, like uh, enjoying hosting parties, etc. back in the day. Um, I didn't actually DJ. I obviously loved music. Um, that had been a big part of my childhood, um, mainly playing it with instruments, etc. Um, yeah. But when I started running parties, I was more there just to create the space, you know, add in a few things that people wouldn't expect to see when they rocked up to a house party or yeah. you know, some installs, decor, etc. getting mates to get involved in, you know, someone built a skate ramp at one of my parties and like, um, yeah. And as that progressed and I started throwing club events, etc. there was this big push to, oh, you got to play at your own parties. Ah, you got yes. to take your own parties. So I started learning how to mix and in that process went to all my friends to to figure out my DJ name and just got the most ridiculous names. Like someone was trying to tell me to call myself Red Hot and like, I'm just like <laughs> nah, this is just, this is not for me. Right. Um, and to be honest, um, uh, there, there's a few, um, I probably can't talk about some of the reasons why I call myself CDH. <laughs> Um, the other reason is because actually um, one of the people I loved dearly growing up music musically wise was Stevie Wonder. Just because I'm a pianist myself and I think it's incredible that this blind man can play the piano so well um, and make people enjoy music so much. So um, it was half an ode to Stevie and half something else. Mm, <laughs> mm. I read a f interview that you did with Form Magazine um, on behalf of uh, Marley. Shout out, Marley. Yeah, thanks, Marley. And um, in it, you said that you were introduced to your personal music taste later than most due to the harsh reality of the environment and culture you were surrounded by growing up. Mm. Um, can I ask, what was that harsh reality? Oh, this is deep. So, <laughs> um, so, so I actually, um, I don't know, a lot of my mates that have very intricate tastes in music or visually art or whatever it may be a lot of them were like you know just a bit unique growing up you know yeah 12 13 14 15 listening to like left of field music etc yeah but i um actually was born into and this is just you know this is just how it worked for me but i was born into like a an extremely um strict um like essentially for the most part Sri Lankan family yeah yeah and um and they were full Christian um, oh wow okay and um I actually um you know I went to I went to church like four times a week sort of thing four times you <laughs> um, go to church four times a week what that's my mom that's the problem <laughs> and um yeah for a very long time obviously as I got older um I was able to like get away from that slowly yeah. um, having to do that those rituals um but due to like the strictness of the, the sort of christian we were like there was a lot of like you know don't listen to certain types of music no way which ended up being like you know the majority of music i listen to now what? yeah so just just being in such a really strict environment for so long 
I wasn't actually really allowed to listen to a lot of music that, um, and you know, some could say, Oh, why don't you just like, you know, like just in your own time, just, you know, investigate. It was, it wasn't so easy, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, in, yeah. in my family as well, it was kind of like, you know, you always had to do something and you're always in front of them and, like I was made to play so many instruments that I had to be practicing each one for an hour every night, sort oh, of thing. And wow. yeah, so the only the the music outlets that I got between the age, like up until the age of maybe like fifteen is probably when I started breaking away slowly. Right. But when I was fifteen, until I was fifteen, sixteen, maybe even it was like it was a mixture of Christian music, yeah, um, classical music, yeah, and. Um, my dad loved jazz and blues, so I got wow. that at least. Wait, um, that's weird because isn't jazz uh, sometimes yeah. regarded by Christians as like the devil's music? Yeah. So the thing is, my parents weren't Christian growing up. Right. They, um, right. My dad was in a rock band, apparently, nice. and like they did whatever they wanted, and then one day they changed, and all of a sudden we had to live in the lives that they wanted. Wow. Um, which is fine, and it's all good. But yeah, I essentially like even up until I finished school, and like I had you know delved into like knowing a bit of about other types of music that are out there i never i never knew any acts or anything you yeah, know i yeah. knew about new metal and punk yeah existed didn't really know what they were about you know i knew i knew about jazz and i knew obviously a lot of like pop and you know that sort of thing you know soul and r&b but didn't really get didn't ever get the chance yeah to you know actually you know invest my time into youtube or whatever it is and find other forms of music until I finished school and got my freedom, um, semi-freedom. And then within a year, it turned into complete freedom. Whoa, <laughs> um, whoa. And, um, yeah, I went from zero to 100 pretty much. Nice. And, um, yeah, and then met an abundance of people north side from uni, wherever it is. And, um, and then have – there's a few pillars, and I talk about one of them, I think, in that interview, Chimp. Yeah. Who taught me how to mix, and, like, we talk about styles, and he pretty much um, – for the most part, back then at least, we went through all these different styles of music that we liked back then. You know, techno, house, disco were like the blanket three. Yeah, nice. Um, but like, you know, all the subgenres and explaining why they are like that and talking about it and something that I enjoyed doing. And within no time, I was well versed. I can relate to you on this uh, this strict family upbringing. Mm. What was it like for you? You said that around 15, 16, that was when you started to sort of semi break away. Yeah. What was that process like? Were you sort of like in doing that in secret or were your parents sort of starting to be a bit more lenient? Like what, uh, what was going not on? Le- not more lenient. Definitely not okay. more lenient. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, no, I started I started um, more so doing what I wanted mm-hmm. um, slowly within the boundaries of not being able to do much. Um, there, were, there were times where I just, yeah, started listening to my music in my headphones and like... Um, I uh, started going for heaps of walks at that age as well. Yeah, nice. Like, you know, used to like, but like walks where you listen to music, you know. Previously, it was just walking to the park to like kick a ball around yeah. or something. But yeah, and then I think that's when it started. That's when I started listening to all sorts of music where it was less like electronic music, but it was more like explicit takes of like, you know, R&B or whatever. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was the gateway, you know, into hip hop and jazz and all that sort of stuff. That must man. have felt like really like naughty, like going out and it doing did. that. It was like, it fuck yeah, I'm being a badass right now. Like. <laughs> it did. And it, like now it feels sad, but you know, back then it felt great. 
look, thinking back on that, this, I, and, and I'm, I'm so surprised that we're going so deep so early. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I want to know is, uh, over this time, after you left high school, yeah. getting into this music that you really started to enjoy and finding yourself, um, I suppose, through music, it took mm. about a year after you graduated for you to really sort of actually find yourself. What was what was the process like for you internally to sort of break away from this really strict family and to finally say to yourself, I'm done. I'm just being me now. Yeah, um, I'm still doing it. Oh, um, shit. But, wow. but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, initially it was very much, so this is this is deep, but um, <laughs> this conversation is deep. Yeah. This, but it's good. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I just kind of um, did the opposite of everything I was supposed to do. Right. Um, when I gained that independence, and I'm stoked I did it now. There were some things I probably should have held back on, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of like um, while I was studying my science degree, I um, I I kind of moved into this share house, um, unbeknown to my parents, Ooh. and. Um, and you, you you might ask yourself, how did he move into a share house? And they not know. It's because I still lived at home while I had the share house. Wait, what? And, <laughs> and during that, <laughs> during that fa- yeah, it was silly, but like it was necessary because that share house is where I where I was able to actually be myself and experiment and do whatever I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'd go home and be in those, confined in those boundaries. Whoa. Um, oh, and um, it was, that was what allowed me to find the sort of music I liked. And initially, you know, when I first started finding the music I liked, it was finding the music the people around me liked. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And understanding that. Um, and, you know, and the same similar sort of thing happened when I started DJing. It was playing the sort of music that the people around me liked. Mm, mm. And it only took really, really, re- in all honesty, like just before COVID, maybe in 2019, that is the year that I actually took a step back and I had some close mates around me being like, hey, this music you play here is like really interesting and like this sort of jazz I haven't heard before or whatever it is and and then like you know even my ex at some point said um said like because obviously they would hear a lot of music yeah, I play yeah. in the car they're like why don't you DJ this sort of music out mm. like I noticed that the music I listened to on my own for some reason wasn't music that I played out right right, right. <laughs> um, and and I got thinking, and I was like, yeah, why, why aren't I doing that? That doesn't yeah, make any sense. Um, and over the last two and a half years, I've changed that mindset. And now now the music I listen at home, it, like on my own, is very similar to the music I play out. And it feels way more original. And I can say now I've kind of found myself with music and will continue to. I'm interested to hear about Crate Mates. Right, so okay, yeah. You have one of the biggest lineups across the many Melbourne music collectives with a whopping 12 members so far. Oh, yeah. How did yeah, it get yeah. so big? Yeah. Is it hard to handle? Yeah, the, the thing is, Cratemates isn't, it's, it's not really an agency or anything. It's more of like, um, like the way it was created, it was just, it was, it was just made for, a, to create a community of people mm. surrounding music. And like, as the name suggests, a lot of us mixed records and like had crates of records and that's why we, we were crate mates. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was more so like, yeah, it's, it's out of all the different things that I do, it's probably one of the more pure things yeah. because there's no like, 
we're not it's not it's not there for monetary reasons um there is no exclusivity if someone wanted to join and they wanted to be a part of it in some way they wanted to bring in some sort of installation and do some projections or or dj or like be like i've never said no to someone who's wanted to join the crew as a dj wow and that's why there's been so many. Right. <laughs> just can't, just can't say no. I can't say no. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, we've never, never said no to anyone. And um, I like, I actually love teaching people things. Um, nice. I love being taught as well. But like, um, I've taught a few people how to mix records. Nice. Um, and yeah, and some of those people have come and played in the collective and been a part of it. Wow. Um, yeah, no, it's been good. So yeah, that's that's great, mates. And a lot of our events we do are like more like about creating a good vibe and hence our day party events and like yeah. you know, all sorts of genres and styles of music. Um, and it's just, yeah, a really nice community. And I'm really stoked with the people that remain in it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of those people are legends and they're all, they're all, they all care about each other. Nice mental health whatever it is and like it's good touching on mental health chewing the fat yeah great idea i really really like it and i really i really dig that all of the proceeds from these events always go to you know mental health charities like what was it soldiering on beyond blue uh, beyond the blue yeah black dog why'd you make it i mean obviously it's a good thing but uh, what was the what was the story behind? so um i I definitely cannot take the cake for that one because um bryn dixon um And Lockie, Lockie Rice, um, it was, I think, I think Bryn Dixon definitely came yeah. up with the idea for some very sad reasons, um, uh, unfortunate reasons, um, and, and was moved to create this thing because I think like, uh, some of my friendship groups are, um, are like that I've been attracted to and have like, uh, kind of had a connection with are like groups of country kids. Bryn and Lockie, as well as Chimp and you and like all of them, they're all from the country. I'm the only city city kid in in two in the fat. Oh wow! The there were the running trend, even with my mates from school in Melbourne, um, and like you know when we were younger, a lot of just you know guys that had been mates sort of thing for a while. Mm. There was that running trend of like, which everyone knows about, where they don't speak about your mental health yeah. at all, yeah. and even when it gets so bad and knowing myself back then as well, you're just so in your head that when you finally do, you're at breaking point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the thing was that these unfortunate incidences had happened and, um, and people obviously felt guilty and like wanted to help and et cetera, that Bryn kind of came up with this concept and was like, Hey, I'd love this to happen. I think it's important. Um, and had talked to me and Chimp and at various places, sober, non-sober, whatever it is. And um, <laughs> we kind of were like, hey, like, I want to be a part of this. I think this is great. Nice. Um, and, yeah, so I think, like, you know, uh, whatever I was half decent at, whether it be, like, curating an event or booking a venue, whatever it is, I was like, yep, I'll, I'll help out with all of that sort of thing. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we've been – we've done a few um, – and I wish we posted more about the amounts that we had actually donated, but I think pre-COVID we actually had donated over twenty grand. Holy, to, what um, the twenty grand between? Yeah, I think it was a seven or eight or nine different mental health charities. Wow! Um, but Holy all up, it was yeah, it hit that amount. 
and we've had one event since and Bryn's actually messaging the group just this week to try to get another one going. Hey. So our busy lives will get something we'll get something going. But <laughs> equal onus on all the um like we'd love to thank all the um all the acts that have played and all the people that have helped with all the artists that have donated their pieces, etc. Mm. Like they've all just as equally helped and the patrons and make that 20k thing yeah um, yeah yeah it's good and and just with what it's all about it was it's not just about the money um, <laughs> of course. the um the the whole idea was the way that people look at partying in the music scene people can associate it associate it sometimes with like a lot of people distracting themselves from right. how they feel. Yeah. And we wanted to go into right into those places. Oh, shit. And change the the concept of people distracting to being like, no, we don't need to distract. You can come here and enjoy yourself. But if you're feeling a certain way or if, you know, you've been thinking something and you're with your mate, hey, maybe you can talk about it and maybe it can be good and you can continue it on to when you, you know, during the week when you're sober. That's so, fucking um, genius. Wow. Yeah. Holy so that shit. was the point. And so um, initially... I was like, oh, I don't know if it's working. But people knew what it was about. People were rocking up. There were conversations that were had. But after about, I think, five of them maybe, we had one at the Nightcap. That was the most positive one. Or the first the first one where we realized it was working. Yeah. When all of us had several people come up to us after it, during it, and saying thank you so much because like my mate has come up to me and said all this stuff and that I didn't realize or like I felt like I could speak for the first time and like you know it was great it was good and the thing is like no one it wasn't like people were there crying and listening to (laughs) dance music it was like (laughs) it was it was like you know it was just a good time and then these things are happening which is yeah and all, all we want to do is start the conversation we don't we're not we're not trying to push anything else onto people. We're just giving him a platform to talk. Nicely done. You you touched on before, you know, he's he's messaging you guys and he's about to make your lives a whole mm. lot busier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to ask, you've yeah. got Crepe Mates, Tessellate, you know, Chewing the Fat, your mixed series. Why do you like having so many things to do? Oh, <laughs> this is the question I've been trying to figure out for so long. Are you distracting yourself? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I uh, definitely am. I think um, I love creating yeah. things. I love like no matter what it is, if it if it's if it intrigues me, I want to be involved. Um, and like I've got all of these things that you've just spoken about, but yeah. um, I've just in the last week been offered three other things. Holy um, shit! And they're all amazing. They're all yeah. unreal. Like yeah. you know, one's like a Fairfield amphitheatre day party. One's like a fashion arts and music event and this other one I've been working on for some time is potentially along the lines of a festival but I won't talk too much about that because that might not happen Um, but yeah the thing is it's hard to say no because every single opportunity I've been talking about this in my sock it's like every opportunity you get it's like you you see the opportunity and it intrigues you and then you're like well what if that could be like amazing or what if this is what my life's supposed to, you know, what direction? Yeah. It's really hard to say no sometimes. I need to figure that out. Right. How to say no. Um, <sighs> but the the thing I love, which I've come to realize is I'm trying to find the balance in my life. And, um, and I'm noticing as I like look into myself and try to 
help myself and find that balance. Mm. I'm noticing people coming out of different collectives wanting to be more involved, yeah. which is actually lessening my workload nice. slowly, but it's happening. Um, and if it didn't happen like that, I probably wouldn't be able to do so much. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you wish in your life that you would say no to? That's, that's a really big question as well. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little um, thing. Like, um, oh, well, this is, this is funny because I actually... And it, I thought a couple of months ago that I should say no to bendering or partying so much. Mm, mm. And then I went sober and I actually went sober for a couple of months this year. Wow. Um, and then during that, I realized that I actually needed some partying to be happy. Right. Because cause I, then I wasn't, there was no release, you know, there was no like yeah. enjoyment. I was creating all this stuff and working, but then. I couldn't have like a fun conversation over a couple of drinks with some mates. I obviously went out for brunches and stuff, yeah, yeah. But, you know. Um, but yeah, if I were to say, probably no to imbalance. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, to, no, to, no to doing too much of one thing. Yeah. You know? are, you, are you the type where as soon as you, you're intrigued by something, you just run full speed at it? And Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could take a step back and actually think, do I need this? And if I did this, what will affect everything else and like yeah no i yeah. need to and yet at the same time i was talking to baby g about this in um, yeah. our last episode last georgia. week yeah georgia mm. and um i also identified that i sort of have a similar thing to you where if i really like something i'm blindly just sprinting towards it mm. but mm. the thing is is that it's both the thing that i hate about myself but also i love about myself because <laughs> um I'm sure you've noticed this as well, and I'm sure everybody around you has noticed this. Yeah. Is that because of your passion, Yeah, you tend to get a lot done. Yeah, know? and it's something I didn't, I used to not realize. It's like, I would do all these things, and I'd be getting all this stuff done, and myself would be telling me I'm not doing enough. Oh, yeah, um, true, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it would take for someone close to me, like a housemate or a close friend, to sit me down and be like, hey, like, you're doing this and this and this, and this and this and this and this. Like, yeah. whoa, like, how do you, and I was like, oh, whoa, I actually am doing a lot of things. <laughs> but then, like, you know, I realized, I made that realization, and then two months later, I've forgotten that that's a yeah. thing, and I've taken on some more things, and it's a bit like that, you know? I think, like, something that is a good and a bad, um, like, a piece of advice someone's given me, and I think this is just to do with bands um, itself, but someone was like, oh, well, you got to be, you got to have your fingers in as many pies as you can, you know. you got to, like, be a part of as many things as you can and hopefully one of them take off and is successful. Um, and that is good but also bad because then, like, you don't know when to stop putting fingers in pies. <laughs> you have so many projects going on at any one time that it's, it's hard to believe that something isn't driving you. So I want to ask, what's your end goal? Where do you see yourself at the end of this tunnel? Where do I see myself at the end of this tunnel? Well, I'd hope I'd be happy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the bare minimum, one. right? Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, the band's been taking off. I think ultimately whatever I'm doing in the future, I would love it to be something that I enjoy equally as much as everyone who comes to it and uh, is involved. Um, that I can live comfortably yeah. and that like, um, it bears fruit, like whatever, whatever it's doing, like brings people joy and, um, and yeah, that's, that's ultimately what I want. Like, 
it, I'm sure it'll be something within the boundaries of creativity, like whether it be like a, a large event or um, all the band creating this music or whatever it is, like it'll be in that realm. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think like there's lots of lots of things that I like. I love about this music scene and I love about the industry that I'm in and the work I'm doing. There's also a lot of things that I dislike. Oh, okay. okay. Um, well. What, what, what and, are those? Um, Do you want to talk about? <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, I think like a big thing is like for me is um, this concept of like exclusivity and inclusivity. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's huge. And like... Um, Gatekeepers listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing is like, um, like I've, I've actually been like involved in things and just observed different things that have happened and like the thing is like at the end of the day like my upbringing personally and this is just my world and my world view yeah. but like um, personally was like the feeling of being excluded mm. when I was young has like driven me in as getting as becoming older and fruiting into whatever I've become yeah. meeting all these people and like feeling like normal again Right. to the world right, right, <laughs> um, right. and it's like one of my driving forces is to include everyone you know yeah. no matter who they are where they're from what they do yeah. like if anyone comes to me and wants to be a part of something in some way if they just even want to move some boxes they can come and do it like um yeah and it's one of my biggest driving forces so whatever i do i like would love that to shine through mm. and i would love to sh to be a positive sort of attribute to to like to to being like an example to include everyone yeah and not you know leave anyone astray yeah or not let anyone feel like they're not accepted that would be it you know who uh you've been working with recently that i feel like really embodies that as well jean de la baptiste um, oh, Tom. from new horizons <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom's yeah. great. I love Tom. <laughs> no, I actually played a set with him at the Gasso not too long ago. Yeah, what was that like? That was great. That was, that event went really well. We had um, had packed out and um, me and him had never mixed together before. Oh, but we shit. definitely loved each other's taste in music. And like, he's been coming to my parties when I first started six, seven years ago. Wow. Um, and yeah, we finally did this set and it was unplanned and people loved it. Hell yeah. yeah. Nice. Closed with Kylie. It was good. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then the next set came on and played UKG for two hours. So oh. That was the vibe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was good. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I am very keen to uh, jump into your amazing mix because I have been, uh, look, I say this every time, but people, please understand that I love driving to mixes and um, mm. your mix has been wonderful for a morning drive, for That's a sunset it. drive, like yeah. any any <laughs> point where the sun is beating that horizon, <laughs> it is so nice. That's what it's made for. Yes. I can't wait to get into it. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this. I want to uh, give you one last question before we wrap up yeah. and listen to this beautiful thing that you've made. Yeah. Acid Chess Club. Have you ever played chess on acid? <laughs> That's how the name was made. <laughs> <laughs> but, what, really? You actually yeah, did that? So, well, essentially, um, I'll try not to go into too many details, but my, <laughs> um, the, the way I met my last partner mm. um, was at Golden Plains. Um, oh, nice. Probably two years ago or something. 
and uh, I was still called Stevie H. Oh, okay. And um, met them and had this great time with them, and um, we kind of were, we just uh, went to see the sun rise. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And um, at Golden Plains and um, into the Sunday, and mm, mm. we passed my tent, and I had my chessboard, and I took it with me. For some reason, I just thought, oh, I'll just take it with me. And one of my other mates joined us, and we went and saw this sun, the sunrise, like on the other side of, um, you know, the, the Meredith Amphitheater where no one goes to. Yeah. Um, and this person had some acid on him, and um, they had never played chess before. And I love oh. chess. Um, so I ended up teaching them how to play chess, and we took yeah. some acid. And I then played a game with them that went for way too long. And um, <laughs> t- we talked about my DJ name. They also DJ and, like, you know, we're all in that music industry yeah, vibe yeah. thing. And um, we're brainstorming names. And as we took acid and played chess, they were like, why don't you call yourself Acid Chess? And um, yeah. that's how it came about. And obviously ran it past a few mates. And then um, one of my mates was like, why don't you make it as a chess club? And that's Hell it. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's no. how it came about. No, <laughs> and that's why that's why the chess club's also called as a chess club. That's so, so sick. Yeah, that's so sweet. It's good. Do you get some yeah. like major players coming in? Like some yeah. serious people? Like- <laughs> Unfortunately, um, <laughs> every single week, so a new person rocks up and they just want to beat me. Um, and <laughs> I, I like I made so the club. They just keep I, coming and trying to destroy you. What? Yeah, and all of a sudden, like I am not the best chess player ever. <laughs> that is for sure. So the sad thing is, a lot of these people do beat me, and then I'm just that acid chess club guy who runs a chess club who gets beat. But it's all right. I'll have to live with it. It's humbling. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, no. They're obviously yeah, coming in. Smell and blood. Yeah, these know? people that are coming in are really, really good chess players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, if someone wanted to play me at like an afters, um, uh-huh. I'll, I will play well and, <laughs> you know, more than less win. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but if someone who's serious about the game walks into the chess club, there's a very good chance I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, a good, it's good. But like a lot of the people that come there regularly love the game so much like I do that, you know, we just talk ideas and beginners come in and people teach them and people that have never come before who know all these moves come in and teach other people. It's good. It's like, you know, there is no like, you know, it's all a bit of fun and it's a nice little community. Something I never thought that would happen, but it's it's good. I'm happy. It's all from that Golden Plains moment. Yeah. (laughs) Golden Plains really changed your life, huh? Yeah, legit. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit like that. That's nice, man. Yeah. Hey, it's been <laughs> such a pleasure to chat with you today. I really have enjoyed speaking with you about all your different projects and actually getting to know you as a person as well. When someone looks at your CV or your resume, your repertoire of things that you've done, it can be a bit intimidating. But when someone actually gets to talk to you and actually gets to understand like who you are, what you're about, the fact that you're actually such a really relatable person as well, it is such a nice surprise on my part. And I'm sure that everybody that has been working with you in the scene so far has already come to terms with that. And uh, 
I'm I'm just very grateful to have had my opportunity. So thank you so much for coming on the show. That's really nice, Jay. And I've appreciated talking to you this whole time and for the opportunity to make this mix for you. Of course, of course. No, it's been a pleasure. No, let's uh, let's dig right into it. Uh, this mix is spicy as hell. You have a whole bunch of lovely, lovely records that are going to be perfect for the end of your day. Please give it up for Acid Chess Club. Thank you so much for coming through. You are listening to Spinning Around with Harley Minogue on Area 3000 putting on Acid Chess Club right now. <laughs> 